in my house. Without a huddle, Florida State first and goal at the Georgia Tech five-yard line. Ward may try to do it himself. Touchdown! Charlie Ward does his magic from five yards out. You know, you really never have the angle on Charlie Ward right here. He comes out, you see him, you've got two or three guys that think they have him. He takes one step to the outside and flies into the end zone. And a steal by Charlie Ward. Ward continues to do these small things that help New York succeed. Here's his three-pointer. Charlie Ward over morning's attempted block. The NBA's top shot blocker couldn't keep Ward from putting through his eighth point. Nice play. And one for Charlie Ward. The contributions of Charlie Ward, unsung hero. The man of the hour is Charlie Ward. What's going on, everybody? Not My House podcast bringing you another special edition with my co-host, Zach. Zach, what's going on? Not too much. Just excited about our guest today. Absolutely. This is Eric on the mic and our guest. I'm really excited. I'm a huge Knicks fan. He was a star athlete in both basketball and football at Florida State. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. Went on to play 11 seasons in the NBA, Mr. Charlie Ward. Mr. Ward, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, sirs. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, What was it like growing up in Thomasville, Georgia? Uh, well, it's a relatively small town, and um, we had a lot of um, professional athletes come out of Thomasville. Uh, football, um, I think I'm maybe the one and only basketball player at this time, uh, but we had a lot of successful people come from there. But it's a small town, and of course, everyone knows everyone for the most part. Um, and. Uh, had a great upbringing, you know, from the family of seven, seven of us. My parents are still married. Um, they were educators, retired educators. And so we kind of grew up in that environment. My dad was a coach. Um, so I grew up, we all grew up in sports. And uh, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to uh, be coached by my dad and um, and learn a lot from you know, my community, which was a great blessing. Nice. Um, we always ask this question, um, but you kind of answered on this on, uh, with, with talking about your dad being a coach. Um, what's the first sport you remember getting into? Um, the first organized sport I played was uh, Little League Baseball. Okay. Um, my parents didn't allow me to play organized sports until, you know, or basketball or football uh, until like sixth grade, uh, sixth, seventh grade, sixth grade uh, football anyway. Uh, But basketball, I was able to play sixth grade as well. But I grew up playing all the sports in the the backyard, in the streets, in the neighborhoods. So I was, I was an athlete. I do have a book out called The Athlete and that was properly named. Uh, because that's what I, I was and that's what I enjoyed doing. Uh, that's something that, you know, I, I just grew up doing, playing all types of sports. Anything that had any hand-eye coordination tied to it, you know, we did it. And so I just, um, you know, enjoyed doing it. Nice. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, you're totally right. I mean, you were a phenomenal athlete, and it's a perfect name for the book, by the way. And I guess that's what I'm really curious about as far as basketball goes. Uh, was there any players that you studied growing up or guys that you tried to emulate your game after as far as basketball? Uh, not – I wasn't that in-depth when it came to studying players. Yeah. Um, of course, I had heroes, people that I watched maybe on a Saturday or Sunday, um, and I would go out and try to beat them, um, you know, whether it's a playoff game or a regular season game. The key for me was just, uh, you know, going out and as an athlete, being the best that I could be. Uh, but, you know, Maurice Cheeks, you know, Andrew Tony, uh, were some guys that, you know, I I would go out and want to be like because they either scored um, a lot of points or whatever the case may be on that day. Yeah. Um, Louis Gerving um, was another guy. You know, he was a finger roll guy. And so you would go out and try to be, you know, do that. But football-wise, you know, O.J. Simpson fan, uh, Walter Payton, um, Danny White, uh, Roger Stallback, those guys, you know, were uh, – instrumental and from a football standpoint you know I had the 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 shoulder pads and the uniforms and all those things you know that little kids have and and so it was uh, you know something that I admired you know watching but I didn't really go out and say you know I'm patterning my game after you know x right I I was an athlete and a lot of things I did during that time was natural. Um, I did learn over the course of time some technical things and all those, but I just didn't really have any anyone that I was uh, patterning my my game after. Right. And then, um, you know, is, as far as the high school basketball and high school football scene, uh, I mean, what was that like in high school? What, what was the sports scene growing up for you? Uh, well, for football in Thomasville, which is South Georgia, uh, it's pretty big. Um, you know, it's very similar to small town where everything kind of closes down. Um, we would get, I don't know, we would get a, the whole city whenever we played our rivals, uh, Thomasville High. Uh, whether it was football or basketball, we would have a packed gym if it was basketball. If it was football, we'd have a packed stadium. Um, and that's just, you know, because we all kind of knew each other and we were rivals. Uh, but overall, football in South Georgia was uh, something that was well supported. And we had, you know, my, my years, my years in high school, uh, we made it to the semifinals in the state my last two years, lost to the same team. Um, but it was always a good, you know, good, we always had a good team. Um, yeah. So that was, and the crazy part about it is a lot of our guys didn't even go to college to play football. We may have had maybe five or six um, to go on and play college football. Um, so we weren't, you know, we were just a run-of-the-mill type of, you know, built a certain way because um, a lot of, a lot of my teammates in high school, we came up through the middle school ranks uh, together, 
and then we just stuck it out, you know, from a high school perspective. It's a little different today, you know, with all the movement um, and guys going from place to place. Um, and so it's, it's a little harder, but the teams that you do see have success, whether it's basketball, football, um, or any sport, consistently are the ones who normally have the consistency in the camaraderie uh, of their, you know, student athletes. Sure. Yeah. And then, um, you know, did you consider going anywhere else other than Florida State or what sold you on going there? And then was it hard to juggle two sports competitively at once? Um, well, they, the, the two schools that it came down to was the University of Georgia and Florida State. And I chose Florida State because Coach Bowden um, had allowed Brad Johnson to play basketball and football. And so he had a little history on his side when it came to, you know, that, that part of it because that's something that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Coach Dooley, uh, Coach Golf, they were saying they would allow me to do it, but they hadn't allowed anyone to do it. Uh, maybe no one wanted to do those two sports. So um, I ended up choosing, you know, Florida State. And it was a little bit closer to home as well. Uh, so the people who supported me in high school would come and support me if they wanted to. Um, so that played a big part in that 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 choice. Um, but when it was all said and done, you know, Coach Bowden and – him allowing Brad to play basketball uh, was the really the, one of the final decisions. Yeah. I, uh, I read that you told the NFL if you didn't get drafted in the first round, you weren't going to play in the NFL. Is that true? And was it insulting to hear you might not be a first rounder? I heard they were telling you between the third and fifth round, which is crazy to me because you just came off winning the Heisman Trophy and your numbers your season year were absolutely insane. I mean, I think you had 27 touchdowns and four interceptions. Um, and I remember you very well um, from college. Um, is that true about that? Uh, well, my, my statement was uh, if I didn't get drafted in the first round, that I would consider my other options. I guess it's the same effect um, as your statement. You know, yes, I got projections that I would be a third or fourth round pick. Um, I actually got a call in the fifth round of the draft from um, Kansas City Chiefs, who was um, Joe Montana-led at that time, and they were asking me to be the backup to Joe Montana, who was one of my, you know, heroes as well because we were very similar um, in a lot of ways, style, stylistic, you know, from a style standpoint. And so that would have been a great, you know, opportunity for me to, you know, get in and learn, be mentored by uh, one of the one of my heroes. And but I chose. I I told him I couldn't guarantee that I would um, that I would come to camp if I was chosen at that time. Because if I was going to get chosen in the first round of the NBA, which I had no clue at the time, uh, then you know I was going to choose the NBA. Um, you know, for that, for my, as my profession. And, and so when 
I, I knew at some point that I wasn't going to get chosen. Um, and that was God's way of closing that door because I'd been praying about closing and opening doors. Um, and he closed the NFL door by not giving an opportunity or, or getting drafted. And so that's the door that was closed. And then the door that was still a little cracked was the NBA. And so I had to right. go in and put my time in and work, um, develop my, some, some more skills because I had been playing football all, you know, for the most part of my time, played a little bit, ba played basketball. But I had to develop so that I could at least compete with those guys that I, gonna, I was going to be competing with uh, doing the NBA, NBA combine, um, pre-draft workouts and those types of things. So um, I took to the gym, got in a little bit of shape um, and competed at a, at a high level and uh, got enough to where I was deemed great upside. That's how I ended up being a first round pick, uh, basically uh, being a Heisman Trophy winner, probably played, you know, just like I got drafted in baseball and never played baseball in college. So people, you know, they're looking at, well, he plays two sports that he, and he played in high school, that he may be able to just play baseball as well. That's kind of the way life is, you know, and that's the position that you want to put yourself in uh, if you're you know, trying to position yourself for a job. Continue to do something and develop, continue to develop. And people see uh, that you're coachable, then they'll be willing to, you know, bring you on. And so that was me um, in the NBA draft, uh, combine, uh, the pre-draft um, workouts. And I'm grateful that the Knicks gave an opportunity. Yeah, you know, you bring up great points because I feel like I feel like you're you were ahead of your time football wise. I mean, I think you'd be a top five pick nowadays for sure. Seeing you know guys like Kyle Murray and all these quarterbacks coming number one, number two, number three. You know, um, your numbers were insane. Like I said in your senior year, all the on top of all the awards you won besides your Heisman. A lot of people don't know you won a lot of other awards in college playing football. Um, did you want to play in the NFL more than the NBA? Did you kick around the idea of trying to play in both leagues or was there too much of an overlap between the, the leagues to be able to do that? What do you think? Uh, no, I mean, that was not an option um, as far as playing in both leagues. I mean, it's now that's a business. And so you, you can't go back and forth. I was able to pull it off in college because um, the two CEOs of those programs allowed me to do it. Um, you know, Coach Bowden allowed me to go out and play basketball, and Coach Kennedy accepted me uh, to come out and play. Uh, you know, not because I – I mean, sometimes – one year I played the full season. The next year I was back and forth. For the next few years I was back and forth. And so I knew that wasn't happening in the NBA when you're getting an NBA or NFL when you're getting, getting paid to do – uh, plus, they overlap, not like baseball. That was not an option when it came down to that part of it. And, you know, I, at that level, you can only do one one sport uh, that's that high of a demand. Um, and, but when I got to the NBA, you know, I was full bore trying yeah. to 
develop the skills that I needed to be able to compete um, at a high level. And you know, everyone's fighting for you know a contract and those types of things. You know, I was grateful to be able to get a five-year deal as a rookie. Back then, I was just a you slotted, and you got five years, four years guaranteed, and the fifth year was normally the coach. I mean, the uh, organization's decision. You know where you where you sat. But you know, my 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 whole goal and mission was just to be the best that I can be. Uh, year one, uh, year two, and then God can, you know, if God's going to provide another contract, that'd be great. Um, if not, at least had an op- op- opportunity. What was draft night like? Did you um, did you think you were going in the first round? Uh, you, you, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming you did the workouts, um, the combine type stuff. Then, um, what was that? What was that night like for you? Um. It was kind of similar to um, the NFL draft night. You know, we, we had a family gathering. Uh, the NFL night was uh, – the NFL draft was kind of fell on our parents' uh, anniversary. Oh, wow. So we, had, um, we had family over uh, watching the draft and also celebrating their anniversary. Um, and the same happened – you know, it wasn't an anniversary night, but same type of thing happened for the NBA draft where family was over uh, and, you know, we were all there. And, you know, I was grateful for, you know, when they called my name, you know, to, of course, give you a call and those types of things. But, you know, I, I didn't really know. Um, I, I did have an idea, but I didn't really know. Um, but when, you know, they gave me the call that I was, I was being drafted, you know, of course, it's just like anyone else. You have a rush of emotions and you're grateful, uh, for that opportunity. And it's another life changing experience. Um, you know, when, when you win a national championship, when you win a Heisman trophy, uh, when you get drafted in the NBA, you know, it's, it's, it changes your story. Your history changes. And so, you know, I was just grateful that I was able to be a part of that type of history because no Heisman Trophy winner won't ever play basketball in the NBA. So, you know, that was definitely a great blessing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I love asking this question because we always get some fun, uh, interesting answers out of it, but you, uh, you played an era, a great point guard era, but what I want to know is what was your welcome to the league moment? And what I mean by that was who's the first guy to really burn you to where you're thinking like, wow, I'm in the NBA. Um, well, that happened in practice. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I had guys like Charles Oakley was a uh, enforcer. And so, you know, his initiation test was, you know, to come and, you know, going up for a layup uh, one time. And he came and just balled up his fist and whacked, whacked me, uh, you know, whacked me across the face, uh, hit me in the nose, nose started bleeding. Um, but, you know, I, I played football and, you know, a little contact wasn't a big, big thing for me. 
Um, and so I, I came back and continued to play hard and I didn't say anything. Uh, but just that, that was the, the moment that I was, from a physical standpoint, you know, physicality standpoint that, you know, that, 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 that's not going to bother me. Um, and of course I played against Derek Harper uh, every day in practice. So that was another challenge uh, within itself. Uh, so that's uh, something that I was, um, I learned a lot from him. Uh, but the, um, the, the uh, biggest challenge um, was, you know, playing against guys like Allen Iverson, Stephon Marbury, um, you know, Mark Jackson, um, those type of players on a nightly basis, uh, Tim Hardaway. Um, and so those are always challenges. You know, just being a part of the NBA, there, there's going to be people who, who are going to, you know, burn you or, you know, yeah. beat you. Um, that's just part of, you know, being on that level. But I, um, you know, I, I did the best that I could and I just had to live with the results. Yeah. Um, speaking of living with the results, uh, you have any good rookie stories about like maybe having to get Oakley as coffee or uh, Patrick Ewing, the, the post or anything like that? Any hazing going on? Uh, no, that doesn't really do much of that. Of course, if we did anything, it was um, we had to carry bags as rookies or, you know, that kind of stuff. But the only, I wouldn't say hazing, but initiation to the Knicks was um, the only initiation we had was like this uh, gauntlet that Coach Riley um, instilled where both got, I mean, both like the entire team lined up on one side of each other and the rookies had to run through while they got elbowed or something um, from the, from the veteran guys. And, and so my, my buddy, Monty Williams went before me and he ended up getting caught. One guy held him up and then that just stopped his momentum. Um, and he got caught, um, got hit in the, hit in the mouth was bleeding and those types of things. And, and as soon as he finished, I went right behind him and I went through like a speeding bullet. <laughs> and so, you know, I, the moment, my momentum kind of carried me because I went through and I just used guys, you know, momentum against them. So, you know, I kind of slithered through like a snake and I didn't get hit at all. Um, and the key was that I just didn't get held up like mine. One guy can can hold you up, and then that stops your momentum. I was blessed to not have my momentum stop. So that's something that um, you know I was definitely uh, grateful for. It was that, yeah. that football. <laughs> yes. That, football that, that helped you out with that. Hey, tell us what it was like. I'm a huge Knicks fan. Tell us what it was like playing in the garden with those Knicks teams in that era. I mean, those crowds were just amazing. You know, I'm just yes. wondering. Uh, well, we had some, um, they were very, very, um, of course, when you're winning, uh, they're cool. Uh, when you're losing, <laughs> Not so much. Uh, they could be tough. 
Uh, but, you know, that's most people. You know, everyone wants to support a winner. And I think the, the best part about it was, you know, they, they supported each and every night. Yeah. Um, they showed up uh, when we were having those six uh, – the run of six um, straight playoffs and – and then get an opportunity to play in the um, the finals, you know that was like icing on the cake, in a, in a sense. Um, so, but you know the Knicks and New York fans, um, they've had a tough time over the past few, more than a few years, but they still show up because you know they just like going. Um, the Garden has changed a lot. Um, but they just uh, they just like going and they like seeing their teams compete at a high level even if they don't win um, and so of course you like to win um, I think hopefully that will change uh, but the fans you know once you get in the community um, doing different things I know I worked a lot with Habitat for Humanity you know, and at that time I was with Nike and we did some court, um, we did courts, uh, refurbished courts with uh, the rubber from, you know, the soles of sneakers and those types of things in different communities. Um, and at that time we were over in Brooklyn, but of course now they have the nets. So uh, there are other you know, boroughs in New York that you, that they probably uh, service, but, you know, just being able to get out in the community was another great blessing because those are the people who support you, coming to support you, and for them to see you out in the community helping uh, was also why they came to support you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had a question. We had Rex Walters on a few weeks ago, and he talked a little bit about those grueling heat and neck series. You got to experience playing for both Riley and Van Gundy. I would love to hear your take on what you guys did to prepare for those series and what the atmosphere is like during those uh, grueling series. Uh, well, the preparation was pretty much the same, you know, because Coach Van Gundy was a um, was one of the mentors – or not mentor, was mentored by um, Coach Riley. And that was um, – so we kind of prepared the same. We had the same plays, um, same defensive, defensive strategies. So that's the reason why we, we had a lot of um, tough series. Uh, we have a lot of the same players, type players, um, and it was something that we just, you know, it's just like a marriage. That's the reason why they say opposites attract. You know, when you have someone that you're married to that is the same as you, there's going to be a lot of heads, but. Yeah, for sure. Um, and if you're, you know, that's the reason why they say you need opposites attract. You need to marry someone that's not like you um, so that you all can, you know, learn from one another, help one another, strengths and weaknesses. But for us, we were just like the, the Miami Heat. Um, and and so that's the reason why we had a lot of, you know, headbutting times, um, you know, during our series. So it was, uh, it was always tough. We knew it was going to be tough, and we had prepared ourselves for it because coaches were, like I said, tough-minded, uh, gritty, 
um, very competitive, and they coached that way. And, you know, when it was all said and done, we were able to win three out of the four series. Probably would have won four out of four if I would have gotten into, you know, trouble with PJ. <laughs> um, but, you know, nonetheless, you know, it was always great, great competitive series. And that was always fun, you know, to be able to go to Miami uh, to play there. And, um, you know, because I was from, from the state of Florida. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you got to stick up for yourself in those series too. So I, I don't blame you for getting in the scuffle with PJ, but you know, um, it looked like Van Gundy didn't sleep much during those series, but, <laughs> Riley, <laughs> but uh, you know, Riley is known for his intense practices and being the ultimate motivator, but how did Van Gundy's style compare to Riley's? Were they really similar since he was yeah. kind of, or complete opposites? No, they they're similar practices. Everything was very similar. Um, and so we practiced hard after games. Uh, that might have been shorter, but we still practiced, you know, after games. And so it was a um, – it was always, you know, challenging for the guys who played the night before. Uh, but the ones who didn't play, you know, that was always, you know, great for us. You know, at that time, whenever you weren't playing, um, you know, it was always great uh, for you because you want to play. You know, you want to get your chance to um, learn and grow. And so that's kind of where, you know, he's evolved. He's, he had to evolve over the course of his years. You know, once he left the Knicks, um, you know, he couldn't practice that way. Um, and now that we have all the science and all the different things, analytics, uh, you, you just can't push the body that, that hard and still get results, you know, during the course of a game. And so we learned all that the hard way <laughs> and we kind of went through it, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, during that time, but of course we would probably change some things today if we were in the mix. Yeah, that makes sense. I have a question that's kind of interesting, I think. Um, did you have any idea the Knicks were going to move on from Ewing before they actually made the move? Because I felt like that Camby, Spreewell, Houston vibe on the court was more of like a faster lineup, you know, when Ewing got hurt. I think in Milwaukee, he got hurt in that game, and then he missed a lot of time with his hand. And then coming back, it felt like it was almost two different teams. Um, and then, obviously, you know, the Knicks traded Oakley for um, for Camby. Um, did you feel that you or any of the guys feel like he was going before, or was it a complete surprise when he, when he was traded? Um, I don't know if we – I know when it happened, we were kind of shocked because we always thought that he would be a Nick. Um, and that was something, you know, we never thought would ever happen. But, of course, it's a business, and those types of things do happen. Um, Patrick was still wanting to play and do the things that he uh, was doing early in his career. Right. And, you know, he didn't want to change very much of his his game in, 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 in some form of fashion. 
Um, and I'm sure, you know, when, when the deal was done, that was probably part of it. Uh, and instead of, you know, him moving on in free agency, um, I guess at that time they felt like the best thing for them was to get some value from him for him. Um, so I think he ended up in Seattle. I'm not sure who he got back out of that deal. Uh, it probably wasn't the same as Patrick, uh, but you know he had, I think, came to a point where he wasn't ready to move on. I know that for sure. Um, but they were ready to move on to try to move to the next phase um, of the organization. And you kind of see that, you know, even with Michael Jordan, you know, he ended up going to Washington to play his last few years um, after they won, I think they won a championship his last year there. And so that's just business. And Patrick understood it, uh, or he understands it. Not he liked it, but he understood it. Right. Um, but as as a team, you know, I was traded, you know, numerous times, you know, in my nine and a half years. So, you know, I I've been traded plenty of times uh, until, you know, the time that I was traded, um, and that was due to, you know, administration change. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a run out course there in New York. I was grateful for nine and a half years. Uh, but, you know, as far as Patrick is, was concerned, I, I, I don't think we saw it, but we can understand it because it's business. Yeah. 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 And it's a shame too, because I mean, you know, blood, sweat, and tears on the court. I mean, he was he was a fixture of that Knicks team and, and uh, something special, for sure. I wish he could have retired as a Nick, for sure. I, I wish they didn't trade him, to be honest with you. But you're right. Business is huge in the NBA, and and they move on from people, you know. Um, um, I got a question from my childhood buddy, Jeff Lloyd, who's the Locked On, Locked on Browns podcast host. He's an enormous Florida State fan. When I told him you were coming on, he was freaking out. And he said, uh, how old did it get hearing people talk about you being the best quarterback in New York City? Uh, very. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that was just, to me, you know, it was just disrespectful to those quarterbacks that were there, regardless if they weren't producing like people thought. Um, you know, at one point, yes, um, Testaverde, Bennett Testaverde was one of the quarterbacks uh, there, and so you know, I just I just didn't like it um, because it made me feel like, um, or made me feel like I was disrespecting those quarterbacks that were there, um, and you know people if people are going to be people, um, they're going to say what they feel. But I just didn't like it, just from my perspective. Because I wasn't New York media. Yeah, that's New York media, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was just like someone saying, you know, I'm the I'm the point guard at you know the Knicks, 
And then there was a football player who may have been a very good basketball player. And they're saying, oh, you're the best point guard in, in the city. And he's a quarterback. Right. And so, I mean, to me, it wouldn't have made any difference because I know he's playing football. But, you know, it's just a disrespect factor, I always felt. Yeah. Uh, when, when it was brought up. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. We're going to do a lightning round question section real quick, if you don't mind. It's just one, one or two word answers. Um, tougher coach to play for, Bobby Bowden or Pat Riley? Uh, Pat Riley. More electric environment, MSG or Doe Campbell Stadium? Uh, Doe Campbell. Best teammate you ever had? I don't, that's hard. That's hard because you got two. You got two. <laughs> I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of great teammates. Can you pick one off the top of your head, maybe, or are you uh, take the fifth no. on that one? I'll take the fifth. There's a lot of. I had a lot of great teammates. Here's another one that's going to be probably hard for you to answer. Uh, coach, who had the biggest impact on your career? I'm going my dad. Nice. Uh, who was the one guy who taught you how to be a professional? Uh, Derek Harper. You played in an amazing point guard era, but who was the one player you thought you could just never figure out how to guard? Um, there's quite a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you go down the list. I mean, there's just quite a few. Hey you, hey, you held your own against all of them, though. You were a warrior out there, I must say. Yeah, I, lo I love watching. Good, good, good guards. Yeah. Um, do, you do you prefer watching basketball or football these days? No, I'm a sports guy, so I'll watch both. Nice. Uh, favorite basketball memory? Uh, making it to the um, NBA Finals and, and the pros and making it to the Elite Eight in college. Nice. Um, where's the Heisman Trophy? Is it something you got to keep, or is it at Florida State? Where everyone – Every player gets their own, and every oh, nice. college gets their own. So mine is at the public library in my hometown. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Um, this isn't a lightning round question, but it's something that I had on my mind after we started talking this morning, Mr. Ward. Um, do you have any inclination to coach yourself, following your dad's footsteps in that sense? Oh, I coach now. I'm the head boys basketball coach at uh, Florida High down here in Tallahassee. Nice. Any wanting to go college or pro or anything like that, or do you just enjoy in the high school level being a mentor? I coached two years in the pros um, after I retired over in, with the Houston Rockets with uh, Coach Van Gundy. Oh, nice. Um, and that wasn't what I want. I desired uh, at the time. You know, after those two years, and so I chose a profession that will give me more flexibility with my schedule. Gotcha. Um, anything you want to plug or promote before we let you get out of here? Uh, not this time, but, you know, I do have um, – I'm joining forces with a new podcast or, yeah, podcast I'm doing for uh, – not for, but with – along the lines of with the ACC uh, that's coming out 
So that's something I'll be doing. Uh, be, you know, I'll share more on my Facebook pages, um, Instagram, all my social media outlets. Wonderful. Um, I can tell you right now, thank you so much for all the time that you gave us. I'm, I'm a huge Knicks fan. I'm one of those Knicks fans that is still a Knicks fan throughout all these really bad years lately. Um, so it was a real honor to get to interview you, and I really appreciate you giving us your time. Zach, is there anything you want to add before we let Mr. Ward out of here? Uh, no, just want to say thank you. We're blessed to have you. Uh, really enjoyed watching you throughout your career. Um, you're somebody I always looked up to, and it's just awesome that you gave us the time, so we really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on and uh, not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love it. I Thank love you, Trey. <laughs> I love it. All right. Mr. Ward, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks a lot for coming right. on the show. Do the same. Take care, sir. Thank, Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. I, I love it. I love it that he gave a, the not in my house slogan. I you love like it. That? Yeah, that's great. That's a clip, dude. We got to use yeah. it as a clip now. Yeah, yeah. great guy. Um, you know, he played, he, he played in a great era of New York Knicks history. I mean, yeah. I think the early 70s, the mid-80s, mid to late 80s, and the mid to late 90s were probably the three best pockets of Knicks basketball. And uh, he, uh, he was a warrior, man. And he answered a lot of the questions. You know, the thing that was cool, he answered a lot of the questions that we had for him without yeah. me, us asking them, which I thought was interesting about the – you know, Oakley clubbing him and him just saying, you know, I'm used to getting contact, you know, that was yeah. one of the questions we wanted to ask him was, you know, how, how do you feel like, you know, your nineties, you know, your, your, your football helped the nineties play of you because in the nineties, I mean, it was a, it was a really tough league in basketball. I mean, there was low scoring games, a lot of physicality, not like, I mean, you know, did you watch a game last night? It's amazing the fouls they're calling. I mean, yeah, unbelievable a- how, you know, there's no there's no wiggle room at all in, nowadays. But back then, man, you you earned your baskets back then. You know, so that yeah. was really cool. It was good to get the the story correct about what happened with him with the draft. Yeah, cool. Because you know, the internet's the internet, and you're not getting information correctly unless. You're really getting it from the source. So part of doing this podcast that I love, and I know you love it too, is that when we get to interview these guys, we really get the stories of what actually happened instead of just reading it on the internet and somebody going, no, that's not what happened. That's not what I said. You know, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully everybody out there and not my house land enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the interview. Yeah, no, and I I definitely did too. And everybody should check out his book, The Athlete. Um, there's a lot of good tidbits in there, a lot of good stories. And I mean, it's just kind of inspirational if you're a multi-sport athlete. And I mean, look, this guy played baseball, football, and basketball. He's good at all three sports. And I mean, yep. it's just the definition of a hard worker. And you saw it in those Knicks games too. I mean, every single night, you know, everybody's talking about Tim Hardaway, Allen Iverson, Stephon Marbury, Kenny yep. Anderson, but yep. – you know, they always, for whatever reason, would f- forget about Charlie Ward. And, I mean, that guy, I mean, he was a starter in the NBA. He's a great defender. He was a great leader. He's a great floor general. And um, a lot of that comes, I think, from being like a quarterback and a point guard. I think he just had that leadership. And yep. you definitely saw it on the floor. You know why people forgot about him in those conversations? Because he wasn't a big-time scorer like a lot of the guys you just mentioned. Yeah. 
you know, and, that's, I think, the big reason. He was a great defender. He had a good three ball. He could shoot the three oh, yeah. rather well. But on that team, the offense went through Pat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and Starks took a lot of shots, too. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity for him to, to be a scorer, more of a facilitator. But it, I'll tell you right now, you know, he was – the perfect point guard for that system and one of the better New York point guards that really isn't talked about. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, from when I was a kid, I always think Mark Jackson as, as my favorite New York point guard and Charlie Ward's right up there. Well, it's kind of what we talked about in our last episode with uh, Henry Walker, where a lot of people get tied up in the highlights. I mean, highlights are great and everything. The stats are great and everything, but he did so much of the intangibles and so much of the yep. stuff that doesn't show up in the stat box. And that's something that you don't, see unless you closely watch those games because I'll tell you now he made a difference every single oh, night on the floor every single night and that's why the that's why Madison Square Garden and all the Knicks fans love him yeah and and think about think about like you just said a minute ago the point guards he's going up against that's yeah. probably one of the best era of point guards oh yeah I mean like and he said it too you know I mean right off his out of his mouth Marbury you know Iverson I mean imagine knowing you're going to play 40 minutes against Iverson yeah, Chase and you know that you're going to run all game. You're going to run. But that's the thing that's impressive to me about him is that he was able to hold his own every single night because every single night you got a new guy. You got Jason Kidd. You got Kevin Johnson. You got Marbury. It's just never ending. Stockton. Yeah. I mean, every single night he's seeing a, an all-star point guard and, hey, he's holding his own. Yeah. Like, a lot he of respect did. for that guy. He did, man. And that, and that 99 run – um, being an eight seed yeah. and get to the finals and just run out of gas. I mean, really we had injuries that year and the Spurs were, I mean, you're, you're looking at Duncan starting to hit that prime, you know, and Robinson was still, still really good. That's really before the back injury really started hurting him. Like that team was solid pop, you know, pop starting to, Pop starting to coach because he only he only started coaching a couple of years before that championship. Um, that team, I don't think anyone was beating that team that year. You know, yeah. um, I was listening to a pod the other day, a Knicks pod, where they had a um, an NBA uh, GM guy on, and he was he played on that team, the '99 Spurs, and they only lost two games that whole entire playoff run. One was to uh, Minnesota, where he said Kevin Garnett was just a men, men among boys that game and then the other one was to the Knicks yeah so I mean that team was you know but but you know the the Indiana series you know the four-point play Larry Johnson you know the Miami Heat game (laughs) sorry um there was there was a big path they went through to go from the eighth seed all the way to the championship and and Ward was a big part of that for sure you know keeping that that team together being that facilitator um Anything else you want to talk about before we get on out of here? Uh, no, just want to say thanks again to Mr. Charlie Ward. Had a great time. And, uh, you know, thanks to all the listeners for helping us, uh, you know, chart and leaving us five-star reviews and comments. It's really helping us uh, get great guests like Charlie. Other than that, I got nothing. I just want to say yeah. thanks. Yeah, we got um, – we're getting more opportunities because of you guys, and we appreciate that. And like we always say – takes two seconds to subscribe, maybe takes you a minute to write a review. And we, we appreciate and love all the reviews we've been getting. I mean, 
uh, we're both really flattered with what you guys are saying about us and we appreciate it and we get to do stuff like this get to you know i, I get to interview a, a guy that i watched play you know yeah. growing up you know and it's awesome and there's more guys in the pipeline that are going to be exciting interviews so that's why you want to subscribe because it's like email man it goes right into your wherever you get your podcast and you just click that button to listen and and uh like i said we got some we got some really good guys coming on and the henry walker episode that we just dropped that was great um there's a lot of good ones you can catch up on so uh thanks for all the support we're out of here and uh we'll catch you guys soon